Hello and welcome to Diaspora Radio. I'm your host, Sam, and I want you to join me as I give you a breakdown of the latest events affecting Diaspora Jewry throughout the world. Enjoy. Hey guys, I'm back. It's the 30th of Tishri, 5780, or October 29th, 2019. So I want to go over some stuff that's been going on since my last episode. There was the Canadian elections, and the Liberals did win, and Justin Trudeau was elected for another term as Prime Minister of Canada. I know I said in the last pod I was voting Conservative. Unfortunately for me, the Conservatives did not win. So we're going to have to see how this pans out for Jewish Canadians in the next few months. Um, For Canada here, our system is that Prime Minister is elected for a term of four years, but he does have a minority government, so he'll have to make do, so we'll see how that goes. What we can conclude from this win is that UNRWA will continue to be funded, something that the former Prime Minister, Stephen Harper, did stop but Trudeau brought back. So this is important because since Trudeau was elected in 2016, Canada has given $110 million to UNRWA, which, according to the Centre for Near East Policy Research, has been linked to terrorism directly and indirectly. So this is not a good thing. (laughs) Thus, Canada is thereby helping fund terrorism against Israel, something that is absolutely terrible. I think the United States has stopped under Donald Trump. So unfortunately, that was something that was brought back by uh, Justin Trudeau. Additionally, the Canadian embassy will not be moved to Jerusalem as Trudeau's opponent, Andrew Scheer of the Conservative Party, did promise. So I do not believe that Justin Trudeau will do anything monumental for Israel or the Jewish people. But I'll keep you posted as far as any Canadian anti-Zionism or anti-Semitism goes. So we'll see, yeah, at the federal level as well as provincially what's going to go on there. Um, One fear that we did have from a conservative perspective, um, conservative Jewish pro-Israel stance as well, is that because the liberals have a minority government, that Justin Trudeau may need to form a coalition with the um, NDPs or the Green Party in order to get a majority and secure his seat within the House. And the issue with this is that those two parties are anti-Israel. Like, where the Liberal Party is pushing a two-state solution, the Green Party and NDP is is pro-Palestinian, not in a human rights perspective in Hamas, but as in Jews are the antagonists or Israelis are the antagonists, and that is something that is dangerous ground. So... I'll be sure to let you guys know what's going on on that note as well. If there's anything going on from a political level within wherever you're living within the diaspora, let me know so that I can cover it, whether you're a part of you know, the UK with Corbyn and that kind of anti-Semitism or wherever you are. Just let me know and I'll be sure to cover it. Now, the next thing I wanted to discuss with you guys was this idea of should Jews build a, another synagogue, or like I want to say another temple, but just a synagogue or a place of prayer on the Temple Mount? So this kind of idea came up from a podcast that I was listening to on Ben Shapiro. So let's talk about, so this episode was episode 881, and Ben Shapiro and a group had been there. Um, ben Shapiro was actually recording there for the Jewish high holidays that were going on. He was in Israel, and so he and a group had gone up there and were caught praying. And an exciting turn of events happened where they had to be rushed down uh, for their own protection by the Israeli police. And I want to discuss that. But first, I want to give you a little bit of history about this area that we call the Temple Mount, 
which was home to the Beit HaMikdash, which is the holiest site in Judaism. This is the holies of holies. I'm going to give you a very, very, very quick version. Um, I do want to go through this in more detail. However, for time's sake, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. So first, King Solomon erects the first temple in this spot, which is mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy, which was within the five books of Moses. So this is the holiest site in Judaism, and this was destroyed in 586 BCE. The Jews were exiled. So when the Jews were led out of exile, they rebuilt the temple, and this is henceforth known as the Second Temple Era. When the Romans came in, hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, and they tried to impose their Hellenistic views and their paganism, the Jews rebelled. Um, we have the Maccabean Revolt here, hence you know Hanukkah, and then. Initially, the Jews are successful, and then after Romans came back and pretty much massacred, obliterated, and desecrated Judaism, uh, the temple, the second temple was destroyed, and even, this is where we have that, oh my gosh, where is it? Is it in Paris? I believe, I think it's in France. I have to double check, but I'm so sorry, my ignorance, but where we actually have artifacts showing depictions of the Romans looting the second temple. So this is like historically known. This is this is history here, not just religious and you can dismiss it. No, no, no. Like this is shared world history. The Romans looted, ruined, destroyed as much as they could. And um, this is when the Romans also renamed the land of Israel, Palestinia, after the Philistines, the ancient enemy of the Jews. So years later, there's the Muslim conquest the Muslims came in and they built a mosque right on top of this lovely flat surface where the Beit HaMikdash, the holy site in Judaism, had stood. They built a mosque. And so this became one of the many Muslim holy sites. So this isn't like, oh, number one, like this is it, this is their holiest site. No, this is just one that they believe this is the area where the Prophet Muhammad had a dream about. However, it, Jerusalem is not exclusively exclusively mentioned within the Quran, the Holy Quran. So this is just a place where they erected it and said, this is it. This is what he said in his dream. But, you know, anyway, I digress. During the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel ended up retaking sovereignty from Jordan of Jerusalem. So up until this time, Jews were barred from praying at this holiest site. So I just want to take a moment here and understand that Jews were exiled. Jews were always present in this land of, you know, whether it would be Israel or renamed Palestinia, Palestinia, whatever it was, Jews were always there. This was always the holiest site in Judaism. The Jews never said, okay, we give it up. However, they were barred from praying there. They found it very difficult. There was different rulers, uh, different oppressors that tried to impose their own religion, religions and religious beliefs on the Jews. But this was always the holiest site in Judaism. And during the time where Jordan was in control of East Jerusalem, Jews were not allowed to pray there. So this is like, for example, just to put this into perspective for us, this would be like banning Muslims from Mecca or Catholics from Rome. And then now we have what's going on now, and since that time, since the 1967 war, when the Six-Day War, when Israel retook that and had sovereignty over this, like Jerusalem again, and unified Jerusalem, now we have this Jordanian Muslim waqf who took control of the Temple Mount. So let's just take another second here and say that Israel, like this, the only Jewish country in the world has another sovereign country controlling the holiest, not one of, but the holiest site in Judaism, which then bans Jews from praying 
at its holiest site. So I know this happened in 1967, but like, how do we expect to have peace when you have something like that occurring? It's just, it's baffling. Can you name any other religion on any other country that has done this? Like, what would happen if the Muslims took control of the Vatican and only allowed Catholics to pray at the outer wall of the city? Or if they dare mumble or move their lips and close their eyes, then there would be a threat of war. Or can you imagine Christians seizing Mecca and forbidding a Muslim, the Muslim pilgrimage, the Hajj, to Mecca, like their holiest site? Like, and they threaten them with terrorist activities. Like, no, there's no way that would happen. So how can this be okay to happen to the Jews in Israel? It just, it is baffling. So I want to read you guys an article right now. And just kind of sums up the Ben Shapiro episode in case you guys don't have time to listen to episode 881 by him, which I highly recommend. I love his stuff. But from uh, Breaking Israel News, I will, again, so side note, I will put up all the links to the articles. I have a hard time posting them all within the podcast description. So I'll do my best to actually post them onto my social media, onto Facebook. If I can fit it onto Insta or Twitter, I will. Um, It's at the Diaspora Radio Pod. We're at the Diaspora Radio Podcast, and you'll find me. Um, But now I'll go back to this article. So this article says, Ben Shapiro calls for building a house of worship on Temple Mount. So I'm going to read you a bit of the article just to give you a perspective, a, a quote of Ben Shapiro. Instead of me going through it and posting it, here's what he said. So according to Breaking Israel News, reflecting on his visit to Jerusalem and Temple Mount, Jewish conservative pundit Ben Shapiro took or took to his podcast, The Ben Shapiro Show, on Wednesday saying, quote, It is absurd that you are not allowed to openly pray up there. They should obviously be allowed to openly pray up there. Muslims do not, or Muslims not only are allowed to openly pray up there, they have a dome of the rock and a mosque up there. In fact, I think there's a strong case to be made that Jews should be building, if they can't build the temple, because there's a dome of the rock right there, they should at least build a synagogue up there so you can have regularized prayers. If Muslims are able to build a school on one end, which they have done, it seems to me that Jews should be able to build a synagogue in a space that is roughly the size of three football fields, end quote. So then Breaking Israel News says that they reported on Shapiro's ascent to the Temple Mount where he prayed and was part of a group that was rushed off the site by Israeli police. Regarding the misconception that the Western Wall is Judaism's holiest site, Shapiro added, again, quote, it is enormous, but it was definitely a pretty incredible experience. And the Kotel, the Western Wall, which everybody always says is the holiest site in Judaism, that's because they don't know, they don't how they're talking, I think I meant to say, no, they're talking about. They're getting it wrong. The holiest site in Judaism is the stuff that is above the Western Wall. The Western Wall isn't even one of the original walls of the temple. It is an outer retaining wall that was outside the walls of the temple. Talking... Speaking of the significance of the site, Shapiro noted, quote, The site's incredible. If you're ever in Jerusalem and you have a chance to visit, you should, you certainly should. It's the holiest site in Jer- Jerusalem, or in Judaism. It is allegedly the third holiest site in Islam, I believe. I mean, I'm not an Islamic scholar, so I'm really not sure. But I think they say it's the third holiest site in Islam. And if you want to see where Jesus walked, this is obviously one of the places where Jesus walked. So it's a very holy site, end quote. So I will include the uh, article as well as within the article, there's also the um, YouTube that says that at the 51 minute mark, you can hear him talking, Ben Shapiro talking about the Temple Mount. So basically I want to talk about this point because I want to hear your opinions. I want to create a discussion 
within my social media pages. I just want to see what you guys think. Why wouldn't the Jews do that? I know there's a threat of war. There's a threat of war with Jordan if the Jews were to build a another temple or a synagogue up there. But why? Like, I, I you know, it's 2019. It's 5,780. And we're living in constant tension and constant threat in Israel and Jews abroad even. And there's always this threat. Well, if you do this, you know, the Jews do this, or if Israel does that, well, then there'll be war. Well, then there'll be terrorism, or then there'll be deaths. But there are war, and there are terrorism, and there are threats, death threats and, and death. There is murder. There's still, like, terrorism attacks in Jerusalem against Jews and against Israelis. So, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this is basic. Why, well, then why not? It's not like it's peaceful and the Jews did it, there'd be war. There hasn't been peace, really. There, there's tense times and there's not so tense times. So I just kind of want to hear what you guys have to say about that. I want to kind of generate a bit of a discussion and say how many people are for building a synagogue or an area for Jews to pray. Is it worth the threat of war with Jordan? Even, and just point of notice here is that it is a tense time with Jordan. So I just want to kind of hear what you guys have to say. On that note, if you guys want more history, I am going to give a shout out right now to the American Conservative University podcast episode entitled Why They Fight, the Story of the Arab-Israeli Conflict. It's by Michael Medved. And oh my gosh, you guys, it's long. It's like two two hours long about. And it's not dry at all. It is so interesting. And it really puts it into perspective. All the arguments we hear against us as Jews, as Israelis, as Zionists, Michael Medved is able to go through and I guess my best comparison is he if you guys have ever read A Case for Israel by Alan Dershowitz it's incredible so what Alan Dershowitz does is because he has background as a lawyer uh, and a Harvard professor he's able to give you the legal argument so he'll say here's what the anti-Israel people say and it'll be like oh Jews still land from Israel and he'll give all the actual quotes of them saying that and then he'll give the legal reason as why that's false or why that's a fallacy and it's, it's just also historical. So what Michael Medved does is very similar. And so it's super interesting because it's audio form. So you could just listen to while you're driving, while you're taking your dog for a walk, while you're going for a run, while you're in the gym. And it is like, just like that. He gives so many facts that you're able to like learn. Like, I just want to sit there and write everything down because it's so, it's so juicy. It's so good. And it's able to spell all these myths that we see on the internet that we see against us that we're told in universities. So for example, one that I found super interesting was when he mentioned that, you know, okay, the example, Jews stole the land away from the Palestinians. Jews stole the land away from the Arabs. Well, he said not, not the case. When, when um, Turkey was in control of the Palestine, like Palestinian area, um, it was a very desolate, malaria-ridden land. Like there wasn't much. There was Arab absentee landlords. And when the Jews were buying the land, when they had this idea, they weren't stealing the land. They were literally purchasing it from for exorbitant prices, he says, from these Arabs, from the Turks. And they were totally okay with that because they were making a killing off of land that was nothing. It was It was either arid desert or malaria swamp. And so the comparison is it was... Um, like fertile land in, I think he said Idaho, like black soil farmland in Idaho was like $100 an acre. And this arid land, desert land with nothing on it, these 
um, Muslims that were in control were charging Jews, I think it was a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars an acre or something like that for nothing because they they're making a killing. So why wouldn't Turkey then sell the land to the Jews? They're willing to pay a thousand dollars an acre. Then why not? And I remember doing this within my own advocacy, um, my background. I remember learning about that there is like you could see the bills of sale for this land. So and and on top of it, Michael Medved explains how. When the Jews came in and they they drained the swamps and they got rid of the malaria and they built hospitals and they started building cities, that is what drove the Muslim Arabs of that area into there, into that once isolated land, the land that was once just absentee landlords and, and a bunch of people essentially squatters on this land. So it was the Jews that that by developing it, people came from the Arab countries. They came and of course they're going to be there. And then he talks about the um, mortality rates going down for Muslims at that time because it, I can't remember how much he said, but he gives the child infant or the infant mortality rate for Muslims at that time. And it was so terrible. It was so sad. It was, it was so short. And then I think like adult mortality was like 37 years old or something and how it increased by the years of the, it's like 1900 1945 or something it had like doubled it was like going up considerably because of what the Jews had done so it just it really helps you put things into perspective it helps strengthen our reasoning and our argument and it gives you all the facts and the beautiful part about this is that you know God willing one day I'll have a resource base for us but you can look up these bills of sales. You can look up these facts. You can look up these censuses. Like, these are all historical facts. So when you're going up against people who are telling you, no, the Jews stole the land, the Jews went in and murdered, the Jews had a blah, blah, blah. No, you can actually go through, you can listen to um, like this kind of podcast. Like mine, you can listen to this American Conservative University one with Michael Medved. You can get these facts and you can actually get these documents. So if you don't, if you're still in disbelief, if you do not believe that, Israel, you don't know, you hum and haw, maybe they did the wrong things, maybe the Jews handled this wrong. Go through the facts, listen to something like this, actually delve in, do the history, do the work, or if you need help, reach out to me, or I can put you in contact with somebody who's pretty knowledgeable on the subject, and we can do this together, and we can figure out a way to, to like, kind of break what you know of the internet, like all the anti-Semitism out there. Like we'll educate you, we'll teach you, we'll answer your questions because we have the facts on our side. And we need to do this before the facts are erased. So I'm going to give a shout out to that. I will include that um, podcast within my show notes, um, probably on social media, again on Facebook. If I can do it at Twitter or Insta, I will. But it's just hard with Instagram because the links, you can't really post them. So probably on Facebook would be the best way to reach out. I am, like I mentioned before, I am trying to do a website. It's um, a little bit hard right now. I don't have a lot of time, but eventually I'll have that there so you guys can go access all of my sources, which would be incredible. Now, my last thing I want to discuss this evening as I'm recording this is... um, you know, thank goodness for social media because I was able to connect with a wonderful gentleman um, who helped or he created this show. It's a film. It's a documentary. It's called The Conspiracy Libel. And I watched it. Oh my goodness, you guys. There's This is part one. They're doing a part two. Again, another amazing source. You guys have to check it out. Um, what I did is I, I did post it on my Diaspora Radio Pod Facebook page. But you can also access it by going through Vimeo, which is just if you have, um, I know like the app, it's uh, V-I-M-E-O, I believe, and it's for free. You just sign up for free and then you just search The Conspiracy Libel and that's it. The full title is The Conspiracy Libel 
part one from emancipation to extermination. And I'm going to read you guys a little bio on it. It says the conspiracy libel is a historical documentary that investigates the origins of the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. The film explores how this persistent and dangerous myth, which states that there is a secret cabal of Jews actively influencing world events, evolved and grew in the West in response to social and political transformation. By exploring the history behind the pernicious phenomenon, the conspiracy libel provides insights into politics, power, and human psychology. Oh my gosh, you guys. So it's only, it's just new. It's from June of 2019. They're working on part two right now. This is so incredible. So this is going to answer those questions. When you go online and you start to search, you know, Zionism conspiracy theories or Jewish conspiracy theories or, or you're in university and you're like, why the heck does everyone associate Jews owning world banks? Because I know that's a thing because I've heard it. (laughs) But like, this is going to answer those questions for you. So this is something that we need to support. Um, definitely go check it out. It's totally worth it. I'll be pumping it out so you guys see it. So this kind of content, whether it be the podcast I'm sharing or this documentary film, these are the kind of things that are going to help getting you further ahead when you're arguing with anti-Semites and anti-Israel people um, in person or online. This is only going to strengthen us. The more knowledge you have, the better guys. So if you also want to support Michael Medved, you can actually buy the CDs of Why They Fight the story of the Arab-Israeli conflict on audio CD at medvedhistorystore.com, M-E-D-V-E-D-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y-S-T-O-R.com. And then you can see it there or go to the American Conservative University podcast, also really good, and check these things out. Again, I'll share that on my social media, on the Diaspora Radio pod. And yeah, in short, guys, I guess my only thing I want to hear from you guys is I want to know if you've watched these films, if you listen to the podcast, and also what you think about the Temple Mount and should the Jews build a place of prayer and should Jews be allowed to pray on their holiest site, as every other religion has the right to do, especially within their own sovereign countries. So give me a shout out on social media, guys. I want to know what you thought of this episode. I also have some big things I want to do. I want to do a website. I want to do some interviews, some podcasting. So also reach out to me if you know anyone who'd be interested in coming on the podcast or if you yourself would be interested. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for listening to Diaspora Radio. Be sure to subscribe to Diaspora Radio so you don't miss an episode. And if you like this podcast, please give me a review as it supports my work. Thank you, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.